0: Chapter Sixteen of the Ralstons by Francis Marion Crawford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Sixteen. Ralston was mistaken in supposing that Catherine had abandoned all idea of leaving the house on the park because it was so late. Depressed as she was, and in almost constant pain from her arm, the atmosphere was altogether too melancholy for her to bear. Moreover she saw how utterly unnatural her staying must seem in the eyes of the world Should her acquaintances ever find out that she had remained all alone in the great house after her uncle's death After mrs. Ralston had left her she made up her mind to leave in any case had caused her belongings to be got ready and had ordered a carriage But she had not quite decided whither she would go and Ralston found her in the library still turning the matter over "'Oh, Jack!' she cried. "'I'm so glad you've come, dear.' "'I came this morning,' he answered, "'but you weren't awake yet. "'You're dressed to go out. "'Surely you're not going to move at this hour. "'Tell me, how's the arm? "'Does it hurt you much?' "'Oh, it hurts, of course,' said Catherine, "'almost indifferently. "'That is, it's numb, don't you know? "'But Dr. Routh says there's nothing to be done "'for a day or two, and he hasn't moved the bandages. "'Now don't talk about it any more. "'There are other things much more important.' sit down jack there in uncle robert's chair poor uncle robert she exclaimed in a different tone realizing that the old man would never sit beside her again poor man echoed ralston with real sorrow in his voice there was silence for a moment while they both thought of him the stillness of the whole house was oppressive there was an odor of many fresh flowers and the peculiar smell of new black stuffs which the disposers of the dead bring with them with a sort of instinct of sympathy, John bent down and kissed the gloved wrist of Catherine's left hand as it lay on the arm of the easy chair. She looked at him quickly, moved her hand a little towards him in thanks, and smiled sadly before she spoke. "'Jack, I can't stay here,' she said. "'I'm not nervous, you know, but I'm not quite myself after all this. "'It's too awfully melancholy. "'Every time I go to my room I have to pass the door of the room where he's lying.' and then i go in and look at him it's got to be a fixed idea if i go near the door i have to go in and it brings it all back then all the people they come in shoals there have never been so many who've wanted to look it's that horrible curiosity about death all the relations even the three miss Miners came i thought they'd never go of course i don't see them so i have to be always dodging in in here or into the dressing room or the gallery or else I have to stay in my room. It will be worse to-morrow. Yes, answered Ralston. You ought not to stay. He paused a moment. Dear, he added, I want you to know it at once. I've told my mother that we're married. Oh, Jack! exclaimed Catherine, taken by surprise. It was much better. I am not sure that it wouldn't have been better to tell her long ago. She was hurt because I'd kept it from her, but she's very glad all the same. You see she would have had to know it all some day don't you think i was right to tell her yes i suppose so do you know i'm a little bit afraid of her well not exactly afraid perhaps i don't know how to express it you needn't be she thinks there's nobody like you i'm glad she's fond of me said katherine i'm glad you've told her i was a little surprised at first that was all yes i'm glad that she knows she was evidently thinking over the situation, wondering, perhaps, what her next meeting with her mother-in-law was to be like. "'She's been here with you, hasn't she?' asked John, resuming the conversation after a short pause. "'Yes, and my own mother, too. And then Mr. Allen and dear old grandpapa— poor old gentleman, he sat in a chair and cried like a baby when he went in. And then the reading of the will, and the endless people—the people who have to do with the funeral, you know all those things jar on me i must get away i can't stand it another hour at least not alone i think i shall go home after all home repeated ralston in surprise but how can you after all this just think how your father will behave especially since he's heard of the will i'm sure he expected to divide everything with my mother unless he managed to get it all for himself i see why you promised not to tell after uncle robert had told you no you don't see jack answered katherine thoughtfully i wonder whether it would have been right for me to tell you now i suppose so it makes a difference though i suppose i can't really do just as you feel yourself said ralston you know what he said i don't i can't judge for you katherine was silent for a few moments then it seemed best to confide in him and she turned towards him suddenly i'll tell you jack this is not the will he told me of it's quite different in every way. It was only made a few days ago. Well, then, this is the valid one. Yes, of course. The secretary knew where it was, in a drawer of this desk here. Uncle Robert had told him it was there only two days ago, in case of his death. The key was on his chain, on the dressing-table upstairs. You see, the secretary was one of the witnesses. That's an advantage, anyway. Witnesses are often hard to find, I know. So this will is quite different from the old one. Oh, quite. The one he told me about left everything to you and Charlotte and me in three trusts, I think he said. We were all to give half our income to the parents, Papa and my mother and your mother, and we were all to support Grandpapa. The Brights were to have a million, and there was something for the miners. Why, that would have given you and me two-thirds of the fortune. That would hardly have been fair no it seemed a great deal but you see he changed his mind before he died it's much more just as it is though it does seem as though grandpapa and papa ought to have more than the brights i don't see why if you look at it logically they're descended just as directly from our great-great-grandfather yes but what had he to do with it the money didn't come from him no still to avoid all quarrelling there was no other way only it's going to make the biggest family quarrel there's ever been since wills were invented that's the real logic of events things always turn out like that better is the enemy of good you know now let me see your father is going to try and break the will of course your grandfather will go with him because if there's no will he'll get half for his asylums and charities then i suppose i ought to advise my mother to go with him against the will too if there's any good ground for breaking it of course we don't want half of what he's left us as it is but still if it's law it's law and there's no way why we shouldn't have what belongs to us if it does belong to us the crowdies are as prosperous as possible Hambright's getting rich i know and then-i say katharine if this will breaks down would the will he told you about be good if we could find it that's a curious question i must ask a lawyer i don't know anything about those things but it's getting late jack i must be going somewhere but where i can't tell i think i'd much better go home and face it out with papa i'm right and he's wrong and he's got to give in sooner or later i'd much better go and put an end to all this this tension "'You're brave enough for anything,' exclaimed Ralston with admiration. "'Still, if I were you, I wouldn't go till after the funeral at all events. "'Don't you think if my mother came here and stayed with you—' "'No, no, Jack. I can't stand it any longer.' "'I can't help going to look at him. I should go in the night, and it's making me nervous.' "'How funny. But if you don't want to go into the room, why do you go?' "'I can't help it. I don't know. I'm a woman, you know, and those things take hold of one, so—' Somebody ought to stay I think I will but you'd much better go to the crowdies I know you can't bear him, but it would only be for a couple of days You'd be with Hester all the time and you like her and you needn't see much of him I thought of going to the brights old mrs. Bright and I are great friends No, don't it's hard on ham. He's so awfully in love with you Yes, perhaps he is but he's downtown all day. I should only see him at dinner and a little in the evening don't be ruthless katherine exclaimed john with almost involuntary reproach in his tone ruthless she repeated i don't understand what is there that's ruthless in that i could see you so much more freely why don't you know how it hurts that sort of thing to go and stay under the same roof with a man who loves you when you know and he knows that you can never possibly love him i suppose it does answered katharine vaguely i hadn't thought of that but then you know ham would never say anything any more than if he knew we were married that just makes it so much the harder replied Ralston, smiling at her woman's view of the case don't you see well of course if you don't want me to go jack i won't i believe you're jealous of ham she laughed a little and looked at him lovingly there's no fear of that he said but he's always been a good friend to me i know what he'd suffer for those two or three days though you can't understand it i suppose i don't want him to suffer on my account oh very well it seemed simpler that's all i dislike walter crowdie so i can't tell you i thought of going to your house i suppose you thought of it too but of course it wouldn't do at all she laughed again a little nervously this time it's not to be thought of answered ralston gravely then there's nothing for it but to go to the crowdies will you take me down there i've ordered the carriage and i suppose it's ready by this time there can't be any harm in our driving down together can there oh no i should think not we'll pull the shades half down is it one of uncle robert's carriages no i sent to the livery stable the men have no morning coats and i thought it would be odd if the carriage were seen driving about as though nothing had happened Ralston could not help contrasting the tactful foresight of this proceeding with Catherine's readiness to inflict any amount of pain upon hamilton bright It was quite true that he could see her alone more easily at the bright Than at the Crowdies, but his own consideration for his friend altogether outweighed the thought Catherine saw that it did she returned to the discussion when they were in the carriage I should have thought you prefer to see me at the brights jack she said "'It will be so much nicer. Of course, at the Crowdies I can't be always sending Hester off whenever you come. How strange you are sometimes. You don't seem to see things as I do. Not this, anyway,' arranging the shades as the carriage turned into Fifth Avenue. "'I'm sorry for Ham. I should think you'd sacrifice him a little for the sake of seeing me.' Her tone showed that she was a little hurt. "'Oh, of course. That is—' he interrupted himself—' "'That is, you know, if it were very important.' "'But isn't it important, as you call it? "'I wonder whether it means as much to you as it does to me?' "'She looked at him. "'What?' he asked. "'Our meeting just as often as we can, for a minute, for an hour, "'to be together as long as possible. "'You don't seem to care as much as I do.' "'Indeed I do!' protested John, laying his hand on hers. "'How can you say such a thing, dear? "'You know how much I care.' yes but i sometimes wonder she hesitated you don't think that means there is any difference in our love do you she asked suddenly as though she could not help it why no what difference should there be we both care just the same only each in our own way i suppose ralston's experience was limited and he was not to be blamed for being a little obtuse and slow to understand this was a new phase, too, and he was ready to reproach himself with having inadvertently been the cause of it. "'That's just it,' answered Catherine. "'You say, each in our own way. It seems to me that there's only one way, and that's the very most that can be. That's what I mean, dear. There mustn't be two ways. There's only one way of caring.' "'Well, that's our way, isn't it?' asked Ralston, watching her tenderly not if it isn't the same for both of us because you're a man and i'm a woman that's not a reason for there being any difference i'm sure it isn't jack she added earnestly of course not he answered not at all seeing what else he could say yes but she stopped again and looked into his eyes john was not good at phrases under great emotion he could be eloquent in few words with the short burning syllables trembling like fire-tongues from a furnace which break through a man's outer self now and then But at the present moment he felt no deep emotion scarcely any emotion at all in fact For months he had been used to the idea that the beautiful young girl by his side was his lawful wife For months he had been accustomed to short half-clandestine meetings The great thing his real life with her was as far off as ever in his heart's sight Though his reason told him that the long period of probation was drawing to a close a Habit had formed itself in his heart of taking for granted without words that each loved the other truly And that each was waiting for the other he had won her long ago his business of late had been to overcome Circumstances and he felt that his actions might speak for him now without language to help them Yet he felt sorely at the present moment the need of the phrase and the absence of the heartbeat that might prompt it he saw that she missed it but though he loved her so dearly he could not force it to come she should have been thankful that he could not and grateful to fate for his inexperience it is a long drive from the corner of the park to lafayette place where the crowdies live the distance is fully two miles and a half and john realized that in the twenty minutes before him there was time for many misunderstandings with his natural directness he spoke out darling he said don't let's be foolish and quarrel over nothings quarrel with you why i'd rather die jack dear it's not that i was only thinking she stopped evidently with no intention of completing the sentence which meant doubtless a great deal to her though it was vague to him but he had begun his explanation and was not to be hindered from pursuing it to the end Yes, I know he replied as though setting aside all her possible objections Let's look at it sensibly it amounts to this we love each other with all our hearts You always say care instead of love I suppose it's a euphemism But I say it just as it is do you think we should have gone through all we have for each other If we didn't love with all our hearts, I know we couldn't "'And as for me, I'm perfectly sure I never cared two straws for anyone else, aren't you?' "'Jack!' exclaimed Catherine, almost offended at the idea. "'Yes, well,' he continued rapidly, "'it isn't possible to say which has done the most, or said the most, for the other's sake. "'I think you've done more for me than I have for you, if you want to know. "'But that's been the result of circumstances. "'You know I'd have done anything under the sun at any moment, don't you?' "'Of course I do.' Do you think I'd have made you marry me if I hadn't known that? Well, that's all right. As for saying things, I said a great deal more than you have. I've told you I love you several hundred thousand times in the last year or two, haven't I? Yes, I've not counted. Catherine smiled, but Ralston did not see his advantage. I don't say that I found many new words to say it with. He pursued. It doesn't always seem to need new words, and if it did, well, I'm not an author, you know i'm not frank Minor. i can't go about with a dictionary in my pocket looking up new suits of clothes for my feelings every time i want to air them and sometimes i've said it to please you just because i knew you wanted me to say it and would be disappointed if i didn't you see how frank i am yes you're very frank she laughed a little but rather hardly as though something hurt her don't misunderstand me dear he said quickly you do i see you do it's just because I won't be misunderstood that I'm talking as I am What I'm driving at is this it isn't true that words never mean anything as some people say who says so? What nonsense old oh, people say it books do when the authors can't find the words people really say when they mean things But it's not true words mean a great deal when they do when they just come because they must you know in spite of everything and everybody when they've strength enough to force themselves out instead of being dragged out like olives out of a bottle and presented to you on a plate But when they're real they're very real with all of one like pain or pleasure Actions always mean something. That's the point There's no possible mistake when a man does things that need a lot of doing and don't come easily Then you know he's in earnest if you'll only look at what he does don't you think that's true Catherine? "'Yes, oh, yes, that's true enough. "'But it needn't prevent a man from saying that he cares.' "'Of course not. "'But if he doesn't happen to want to say it just at that moment—' "'But you should always want to say it. "'Don't you always feel it?' "'She looked at him in an odd surprise. "'Feel it, yes, always,' he answered quickly. "'But I don't always want to say just what I feel. "'Do you?' "'No, but that's different.' it makes me so happy when you say it as you can say it sometimes and don't you think it makes me happy when you say it he retorted and you don't say it half as often as i do i'm sure don't i but i feel it jack her eyes sought his and found them looking at her well then don't you understand he asked but his voice was low and it hardly reached her ears as the carriage rumbled along though she knew that his lips moved, and she tried hard to catch the sounds. For a few seconds longer they looked into one another's eyes, then, without word or warning, took his wife in his arms and kissed her passionately again and again. No one in the street could have seen, for the shades were half down and the evening light was waning. The sun had just set, and the dark red houses were floating in the afterglow, as everything seems to float when twilight lifts reality from the earth into its dreamland and the carriage rolled and rumbled steadily along but within it there was a silence for a while as heart beat with heart and breath breathed with breath jack let me go to the brights said katherine suddenly after what had seemed a very long time her voice was quite changed it sounded so soft and touching that ralston could not resist it being taken unawares "Dear." if you'd so much rather he answered with hardly any hesitation then tell the coachman please she replied at once without giving him time to change his mind it was instinctive and she could not help it he yielded almost without reluctance and lowering the window in the front of the carriage spoke to the coachman katherine breathed a sigh of relief i'm so glad oh i'm so glad she cried leaning far back in her seat I couldn't have stood crowding for a whole evening Ralston said nothing in answer for he was already repenting of his weakness and the vision of his friend's face rose before him With all its habitual calm cheerfulness suddenly twisted out of it Thank you dear said catherine softly laying her sound hand upon his That was sweet of you you don't know how I feel about it and you'll come in this evening won't you then perhaps ham will go out and mrs bright always goes to bed early so we can have an hour or two all to ourselves certainly answered ralston a little absently for he was thinking more of bright than of himself just then catherine withdrew her hand from his not quickly nor so that he should think she was hurt again by his tone and she really suppressed a little sigh of disappointment which rose to her lips they had been already in 4th Avenue when Ralston had given the new direction to the coachman, and he had turned his horses and was driving back. The Brights lived in a small but pretty house in Park Avenue, on Murray Hill. It was some distance to go back. Jack, said Catherine quietly, Hamilton Bright's your friend. Don't you think you'd better tell him that we're married and put him out of his misery? Don't you think it would be much more kind? You can trust him, can't you? "'Just as I trust myself,' answered Ralston, without hesitation. "'It's for your sake, dear. "'Otherwise I should have told him long ago. "'But you know what most people think of secret marriages, "'and Ham's full of queer prejudices. "'Even the West couldn't knock them out of him. "'He's the most terrific conservative about some things. "'That's the reason why I never thought of suggesting that I might tell him. "'Of course, if you'd rather—' it would be a blow to him i think but at the same time it's much better that he should know for his own sake only i'd rather not tell him while you're in the house oh if it's going to make any difference about my staying there we'd better wait answered katharine of course i hadn't thought of that i suppose it would make it all the worse just at first he wouldn't like to see me but he must have known long ago that we were engaged and that he had no chance "'The one doesn't follow the other,' answered Ralston. "'A man like Ham doesn't give up hope "'until the girl he loves is married and done for.' "'Married and done for? "'Jack, how you talk! "'Oh, it's a way of saying that she's out of reach, that's all. "'I've heard you say it lots of times.' "'No,' he continued, after a moment's pause, "'I think it would be kinder to wait till you come away. "'But, of course, I could tell him any day, downtown. "'Do as you think best, dear.' whatever you do will be right only she stopped and looked out of the window on her right away from Ralston only what he asked only love me she cried almost fiercely and turning upon him so quickly that she pressed her injured right arm against the side of the carriage only love me as I want to be loved as I must be loved the passion in her outran the pain of the physical hurt that crept after it and reached her a moment later so that she turned a little pale jack did not know of that and in his eyes the pallor was of the heart as the voice was and the words it made her more beautiful and made love seem more true then his own heart beat hard answering the call of hers as wave answers wave and his arms were around her again in an instant but at that moment the carriage stopped before the brights house a smile came into the face of both of them as they drew back from one another then ralston opened the door and got out it might not have been easy to explain to mrs bright exactly why Catherine had arrived unexpectedly with a box and a valise to stay three or four days with her instead of going to her own house at such a time she knew of course that the young girl had been at robert lauderdale's during the last twenty four hours but mrs. Bright wanted no explanations and was overjoyed to have Catherine for any reason or without any She received her with open arms ordered her things to be taken upstairs Asked Ralston to stay and have some tea and at once began making many inquiries about Catherine's arm Ralston went away immediately however After being alone with Catherine in the carriage as he had been He did not care to sit still and listen to the excellent mrs. Bright's questions thank you dear said katharine again in an undertone as he bade her good-bye come this evening may jack come this evening aunt maggie she asked turning to mrs bright of course my dear whenever he likes answered the cheerful lady mrs bright was a great-granddaughter of the primeval alexander her mother had been margaret lauderdale by no possible interpretation of the relationship was she entitled to be considered the aunt of any member of the tribe but they one and all called her aunt maggie even the three miss miners who were nieces of mr bright's father called her so and the custom had become fixed and unchangeable in the course of many years of late even grandpapa lauderdale the philanthropist had fallen into the habit much to the amusement of everybody mrs bright was a huge fair happy-faced woman with an amazingly kind heart and a fresh face Peculiar from the apparent absence of eyebrows, which existed indeed, but were almost white by nature She had the busy manner peculiar of a certain type of very stout people when she was not asleep She was doing good to somebody, but she slept a great deal Her tastes were marvellously good highly refined and very fastidious cleanliness is a virtue next to godliness according to the proverb and since a number of persons have relegated godliness to the catalogue of obsolete superstitions cleanliness with them at least should stand first of all but mrs bright's mania was specklessness surpassing all dreams of cleanliness as pure spring water surpasses soap as a symbol of purity she took care to see that her house was swept and she garnished it herself she exhaled a faint suggestion of sprigs of lavender hamilton bright inherited his fresh complexion sturdy build and solid good humour from her but a certain shyness and reserve which were among his characteristics had come to him from his father to Catherine's surprise he was already at home and came down to see her as soon as he heard that she was in the house he sat down by the little tea-table which stood between her and his mother and he wondered inwardly why she had come he was pleased however and it seemed to him that her coming crowned the day which had brought him such vast and unexpected good fortune there are men who love with all their hearts and who are not loved in return nor have any hope of such love whose greatest happiness is to see the vainly worshipped object of their misplaced affections under just such circumstances bright was delighted that Katharine should be his guest and his mothers she was his guest first in his thoughts and it gave him the keenest pleasure to see her drinking his and his mother's tea out of his and his mother's old dresden teacups just as though it were her own and thinking it just as good he asked no questions and he thought of no answers which she might give if he asked any he was simply pleased and wished nothing to interfere with his satisfaction as long as it might last "'It's awfully jolly to see you here,' he said, after he had looked at her for nearly a minute. "'Well, you can't be half as pleased as I am,' she answered. "'I was there all last night, you know, and all to-day. "'It's grim. I couldn't stand it any longer. "'And I knew they didn't exactly expect me at home, and I didn't want to go to Hester's. "'So I thought I'd drop down upon you without warning, as I knew you had nobody staying with you. "'But it was rather a calm thing to do, now that I think of it, wasn't it, Aunt Maggie?' mrs bright beamed smiled kissed her fingers to the young girl and then did perfectly useless things with the silver tea-strainer rinsing it again with boiling water and touching it fastidiously as though it might possibly soil her immaculate hands End of chapter sixteen